This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Komikaela Naimen Toko Ingoa. My name is Mikaela Naimen and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture and how the creative arts contribute to our community as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Centre. Stay tuned to find out more. I'm on the Taranaki Arts Trail and checking out a few artists and I'm here with Susan Kostanich, who is an amazing fibre artist. Hi. Hi, Hi, Susan. Tell me a bit about who you are and how come you ended up in Taranaki? Ooh, who am I? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know that I'll ever be that sure. Well, I've lived a very interesting life. Um, what am I? I'm a mother, a grandmother, an artist, a cook. Yeah, actually, that's a really difficult question to answer, who you actually are. No. And it can change over time too. Well, my response would be, I'm just me. Um, with all sorts of different parts. I'm European, Chinese, Samoan, adopted, brought up by a Croatian and an English woman. Yeah, so there's really many facets to who I am. And you actually see that in my art mm. from, from the... Um, Russian and Greek Orthodox icons through to loose representation of tapa. And uh, you work on tapa as well as with different fibre. You are a fibre artist first and foremost? Or? I am a fibre artist mm. first and foremost. Although there's, there's a school of thought that because of the way that I've taken felting, it's not necessarily regarded as felt any longer. Oh, really? Um, and, um, but that's a personal perception of what felt actually is. But all the canvases for my work are actually made from merino fibre with a layer of Kozo paper over the top. So um, just to describe it to listeners, it looks like a canvas packed into the, felted in really, and then the, the Kozo paper is on the surface with a very interesting texture. Actually, the wool is an integral part of the paper. That actually, it becomes an integral part of the paper. And you could loosely call it felted, or there's another school of thought that regarded as laminated. Mm. Because if you think about laminating surface, that's essentially what I'm doing. So on the back of the paper, it's invisible, it's wool. Yeah. Well, they're very beautiful pieces. They're quite uh, abstract, some of the new ones. It's because I can't draw. <laughs> it's really that simple. <laughs> well, 
if I attempted to do it in a more realistic or lifelike fashion, <laughs> it probably belongs in a kindergarten exhibition. <laughs> Somehow I doubt it. No, it's wonderful, but you also have a real extreme patience, I would say, for stitching. And so a lot of um, the ones you talked about, the Greek Orthodox, Madonna mm. and the other mm. elements, they are beautifully stitched also with tiny, tiny beads. Not just tiny beads, but tiny, tiny gold work embroidery as well. And I've been a stitcher. I made my first embroidery sample when I was 10, and that's over 50 years ago. So I've been stitching for 50 years. So. Mm. Did it start with art or did it start with um, clothes making? My mother was an amazing embroiderer, so I was brought up sitting by her side when I was 10, patiently stitching and making Victorian samplers of all the various embroidery stitches, mm. from cut work, hardanger, white work, black work, just ordinary chain stitch, whatever. So that's how long I've mm. been stitching. So it's always been a huge part of my life. Mm. As an adult, yes, I have had a foray into fashion um, and also into wearable arts. Um, and I've had... Uh, I've had two outfits worn to the Oscars. In oh, my wow. I've won Pacifica Style, which was which became something else when Westpac, the more people got involved, but prior to that it was really Pacifica. Um, done a few things. I've, I worked as a fibre artist in Australia and Melbourne in the 80s. I've got work in um, the Aragret Gallery just outside of Melbourne, which is a dedicated textile gallery. And you know, I have exhibition in the State Theatre in Melbourne. Mm. But, yeah. but they're all kind of past mm. things. What I'm doing now, I think, is, and since I've been in Taranaki, is an extension of all of those things, but it's coming together in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And why do you think uh, that is? Does it have to do with Taranaki or... Oh, absolutely. This is probably the most inspiring environment I've been in. From what you've been saying, you've been in plenty of inspiring environments, though. So oh, nothing sounds... quite like this. Oh, really? And, and I also think, you know, Brenda Cash, who's a good friend of mine, as I said, I think I finally found my tribe. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me a lot of years to find my tribe. And I think it's here. It sounds wonderful. Mm. And th that is very true. Mm. You need supportive people around you. Mm. And you are also a supporter. You are part of the committee for the Paranaki Arts Trail as well yes. this year. And uh, I know both you and Brenda and uh, Heidi and others have been going around to all of the events happening and supporting artists which is a very important part of, you know, artists also need that support. Someone I, takes an interest. I think it's very important to support each other. There are too many divisions in the world without us increasing them. I think we need to find ways 
to come together. And I think communities can come together through creative processes. Especially if they are generous, like some of the yep. people here. Yep. Okay, we will take a short break and um, listen to some Pacific music. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki, 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We are grateful for the sponsorship by Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center for this podcast. And uh, I'm on the Taranaki Arts Trail and checking out a few artists, and I'm here with Susan Kostanich, who is an amazing fiber artist, but who has also tried her hand at so many different <laughs> kinds of art making that it's uh, astounding. You also had a background in design. Not any formal training in design, but I worked as an interior designer for eight years in Auckland in that 
sort of top end of the market. How come you ended up doing that? Well, because prior to that, I was actually working in psychiatry. Of course. <laughs> it makes perfect sense to move from there. Um, and it just seems intuitive to me. Design seems intuitive to me. And I was never without clients, and I never had a business card. And really, it was referral-based. People had seen what I'd done, liked it, so they contacted me. So it was all sort of qualified before I ever met them. They knew what I did. So Where I, had they found out? In other people's homes. Mm. Mm. They'd been to it, it was like, oh, who's done that? And it was like, so-and-so. Mm. In other words, you have very good taste. Well, there are other people who say they have most appalling taste. <laughs> but it's a matter of personal taste. Right. That is true. But I still think that there must be a lot of merit in your interior designs. And um, like, what do you do when you go into a person's home? Is that where it starts? That someone invites you in and says, what shall I do with this mess? All I ever did, I, I didn't take great reams of paper and books and that. I would go in, I would have an appointment for an hour, an hour and a half, and I would sit down and talk to them as a family. That's all I did. And then I would go away and think about it. But I think the ability to do that came through the training I did when I was working in psychiatry. And I worked in, really? in um, psychotherapeutic units and I was a um, maternal therapist in um, a very intensive unit for a long time. I worked in community centres and things. And so it's the ability to actually listen. Mm. and to actually hear what people are saying to you. And that's all I ever did. I asked them about their lives, about their lifestyles, how they lived. Who would have known that uh, psychotherapy goes with interior design? Oh, it does. <laughs> it goes with just about every interaction you have in your entire life, actually. And mm. you don't miss that part of your working life? Good Lord, no. Oh. <laughs> No, I think working that intensely, actually, you burn out. I can imagine. And there is nothing worse than somebody who is burnt out, who continues in the same role, because you don't get the best of it. No. Mm. And who helps the helper? Mm. Well, there's always the question of who helps the helper. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Not a lot. No. Not a lot of people get that sort of help mm. if they're helpers. Mm. So how come you made the shift from this uh, very intense life in the big cities to Taranaki, New Plymouth? Well, I lived five minutes off Ponsonby Road and I lived a fairly rackety lifestyle, which, is, which I will admit to. And my observation of big cities is they're for young people. They don't accommodate older people that comfortably. And as you get older, you don't react as quickly, you don't do things as quickly, and in, certainly at the pace that people live today, it's very frustrating for younger people to actually have to deal with the 
elderly who <laughs> was sort of ambling along rather than, you know, <laughs> streaking along to the next point. Maybe and, that's exactly what they need, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's just such a wonderful kind of laid-back life. And the West Coast is always... My family had a batch at Karikari, which is near the next beach down from Piha. And that was in my family for 60 years. So Wow. And I spent my childhood and a lot of my early adult years out there and with my children. And, yeah, New Plymouth, the West Coast, got to be the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Piha wouldn't have been there. Piha's got too many people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kari has over the years become more and more populated and in fact the, the family batch was ultimately sold and hasn't been replaced but coming here it's, yeah, I'm seriously thinking about places like Mokau and Uranui and to replace wow. the West Coast. I'm a West Coaster. And and if you're a West Coaster, you never settle for the East Coast. <laughs> On that note, we are going to take another music break and um, see if we can rustle up some West Coast music too.
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We are grateful for the sponsorship by Govet Bruce Art Gallery and Lennar Center for this show. And I'm here with Susan Kostunich and talking about all kinds of um, creative art journeys she's been on and how she ended up in Taranaki which is on the west coast, importantly, <laughs> Very important <laughs> which is a draw card. Mm. So your current work, uh, you talked about that everything you've done previously has gone into this. Mm. Have you never broken away and done something totally different to, or, or is that what has happened before you got to this stage? Oh, I think it's happened before I got to this stage. This is actually very gentle work. It, it's work that is transportable. I can pick up a piece at a certain stage, take it with me when I go away. I can stitch it wherever I am because I do it without a frame. Um, I can draw on it without having to set it up on an easel. And it's it's truly satisfying work. I mean, there are people who would say, I'm a lunatic. (laughs) <laughs> for, for the thousands of French knots I might put on something, but there is something truly satisfying about it. And besides the serious amount of stitching you do, you are also known to take to your artwork with quite robust tools. Oh, I use a sander. Yeah, I use a sander to actually make it. I mean, I start off with a beautiful, smooth sheet of Kozo paper which the Japanese have spent a long time perfecting to beautiful print paper, I muck it back up again (laughs) with a sander. And that is to create the texture. That gives me a wonderful surface texture. Yeah, Has it been attached to the wool at that stage, or does that? Oh, it is. That? It's being attached to the wool at that stage. What happens is, after you've lain the merino fibres down and wet them down and put the kozo paper on top, and you wet it, what happens is the mulberry bark fibres in the kozo paper open up, and as you agitate it, the wool fibres work their way through the gaps in that and then they, because wool has hooks on there, they grab each other and they pull the paper with it, which is what gives you the texture. Very interesting, but also very laborious. Of course. Yeah. I would never do anything a simple way. (laughs) So, uh, can you describe the piece of work that um, is called Chaos? Chaos... Well, it's black. It's completely black. But it's it's a combination of red, black, blue, black, brown, black. Um, and what it was was a simple piece of the canvas I make, but I applied extra layers of paper in some bits and um, laminated in one end of them, but also um, played with the loose end so that it, it kind of crumpled and folded and then then I applied several layers of black acrylic paint and that's it. Wow. It's an astounding piece of work. Yeah. I never ever thought it would turn out quite the way it has. No. Mm. So what mm. did you aim for? 
Well, I was just playing. To me, it reminds mm. of some uh, of the, you know, the lava flows that you can mm. see somehow. It uh, has a real mm. organic feel, but it's also, there is no set pattern or anything you can no. detect. And otherwise, you seem to be really into patterns. So that one is um. quite amazing there. And it has a companion piece, you said. It's called Order. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and they were done as, as a series for an exhibition I had with Jeanette Verster at the last, what, last year or the year before. And it was called Duality. So I did Chaos and Order. I did Black and White. And then I did a series of three, which is actually in the Gover Street Gallery at the moment, because I kind of got sort of off track. And I did, and they're called Id, Ego, and Super Ego. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just too funny. So uh, where do you draw your inspiration from? Um, Past experience, things I read, things I see. I love to say I did working journals and diaries and all these wonderful things that other artists seem to do. I don't. It's just locked in my head. And when I start work, I just look at the piece of canvas and somehow, intuitively, I know what I'm doing. And that's it. There is no end design when I start. It's just a progressive thing, which also often means a lot of unpicking of tiny little hand stitches because they didn't work. Unpicking Mm. is the worst part, Mm. but oh. So how do you know when a work is finished? Because that is very open-ended. Intuitively, I just know. Or sometimes it's like, so over this piece, goodbye. Yeah, that's also a way to finish. Yeah, it's a way to finish. And, and actually with the latest series of the icons, which is the first time I've used bling, um, actively encouraged by Jeanette Verster to put bling on it, and she actually gave me quite a lot of the bling, I might add. Um, they are very beautiful, I might add. You, There's no end point, but it, I, I could have just kept stitching with gold thread, I could have just kept putting on more and more crystal beads, but one, it got incredibly expensive, <laughs> crystal beads, and two, it's like, oh, just stop. Hmm. And the, the difference, of course, is that the crystal beads, they capture the light so beautifully. They do. They so shimmer. That, yeah, mm. so as you move around a piece, mm. you just get these wonderful flashes. And that's it, really. Did the the pandemic change the way you worked at all? Or did you have uh, any trouble sourcing materials? Well, there's this wonderful thing called the internet (laughs) and couriers. And actually, right through the lockdown, Jeanette Verster and I, right at the beginning, made a pact, really, that every day we would produce a postcard science piece of work with with some sort of thing. And we did all sorts of things like making plastic yarn and kombucha leather and paper. 
and every day we completed a small piece of work and we talked to each other about it. And truthfully, I found lockdown a wonderful experience because I could work uninterrupted all day. There was no demand to go out for coffee or make a coffee or cook a meal or anything Mm. else. It was, uh, I can just concentrate. Mm. Yeah. I think it uh, was a two-edged sword, but definitely the slowing down, I think a lot of people kind of need a bit more of Mm. and miss. Yeah. I can't. I can't slow down too much more. <laughs> I'm slow enough as it is. Slowing down more would be disastrous. <laughs> Don't believe you. On that note, we are going to take another music break.
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We are grateful for the sponsorship by Govet Bruce Art Gallery and Lennar Center for this show. And I'm here with Susan Kostunich. So, what are you going to do next? Looking at this amazing work that is here and you have... Um, you know, had some amazing response as well mm-hmm. to your work, yeah. which uh, must feel really lovely to kind of meet the people who get excited about your work. It is. I mean, I just do what I do. I, I've never, I'm always astounded at the response I get from people about my work. Um, yeah, I just am astounded by the response that it evokes in people. And then the most interesting one is the Madonnas and the which seem to have this irresistible pull for men. Oh, it's really? men. It's men that appear to be absolutely fascinated by it. So they could uh, be seen as uh, quite ornamental religious pieces. Well, they are know. based on icons. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And yet you have that blackness and you have the bling. So that's very fascinating. And some of them have found new homes, I understand. They have, yeah, which is, which is great. But that's, that's the icing on the cake. I, do, I don't see my work as a commercial proposition. And I'm sure anybody that was running a business doesn't see it as a commercial proposition either. Um, yeah, so it's great if it sells, but I'm happy just to... Keep it as well. And, and to hear the joy mm. from people mm. who engage mm. with it and get curious and ask what mm. is happening there. Mm. Yeah. And I actually believe ultimately that um, I don't write long artistic statements about my work because I think that I want people to experience it personally, what it might mean to them rather than what it might mean to me. An art in person, to see it real life is uh, such a strong kind of, you know, emotional connection as well when you connect with the work. Yeah. So are there any works that you are holding back? No, this is it. (laughs) It's interesting. This is the first time I have stopped since December last year. I have worked consistently from December last year, but that's because the nature of my work, it takes so long. Uh, So this 10 days of the trail is my holiday. Which is also consistent engagement and work with Mm. people, I would say. But without the physical doing of it. And I already have two exhibitions lined up for next year. Mm, Wow. Um, Fairly significant mm. exhibitions. So where are you uh, going to be? Oh, oh it's a secret. Oh, secret it's exhibitions. Secret, secret we'll just exhibitions. have to wait and find yep. out. Mm. So how long did it take for you to do, say, chaos and order? Chaos and order probably took about a month each. No, together. Together. Mm. You did them at the same yeah. time too. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. why they look so coherent yeah. as well, side by side. Yeah. The Madonnas and Crosses, they they have been five months in the wow. making. Wow. And when I say that I work most days from about 8 
to five, sometimes later. But uh, all that stitching must be very hard on uh, neck and shoulders and fingers. So how can you continue stitching at that rate? If I don't, my hands will actually seize up as I either keep using them or they'll stop working together. So it's easier to keep using them. Well, we are lucky that you keep using them. <laughs> we get you. to see all this beautiful work. And uh, we haven't even talked about your bowls, but your bowls are also quite lovely. Thousands of French knots, yeah. I think the thing about, and I hesitate to use the word mindfulness because I think it's overused, but once you've started, there's this, what I have, this compulsion to just keep going. You just get into a rhythm and it just keeps coming. Mm. Yeah, it mm. is a meditative flow somehow. It, it mm. is. And you can check out your brain for a while while you keep oh, at it. Oh, I watch bad action movies oh, while I'm doing it. <laughs> I come and stitch with you. <laughs> I do. I'm renowned for the fact that I've got bad action movies. I don't always see the action, but I can tell you the dialogue and I can tell you how many bullets were fired. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So you pay attention too. So for anyone who's starting out, uh, say, on the fiber art journey, is there any advice you would give to beginners? Practice, practice, practice. Don't, don't ever be disheartened because every piece you do is better than the one before. Mm. And uh, truthfully, I throw a lot of my work out. Really? A lot of my work goes in the rubbish bin. Mm. Oh. But each piece, you're building for the next piece. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for all of this. And uh, good luck with next year and the exhibitions. Can't wait to see what's next. Well, I'll keep you informed. Thank, thank you, you, Michaela. <laughs> Here, black does not.
darkest of ways for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Artscast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lai Center. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand on air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.